Hey, this is Kyle Turner, the lead pastor of Hillsong, Kansas City. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and most importantly, helps you get closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey, we love Jesus. Can we just tell him for a moment? If you're grateful for his grace, what a good God we have. Just tell him, let's celebrate the goodness of our God. Never ending grace, more than enough for what you need or what you're facing. Man, it's a good day to be in church. Y'all doing well? Awesome. Love you all very, very, very much. Let's just take a moment as we welcome the Plaza location as we're linking live. Those online. How about those on the Plaza online and Lansing Correctional Facility? Let's give it up for everybody tuning in. One big church family connected. I got to tell on myself for just a moment. I was getting up to preach at the 9 a.m. on the plaza, and uh, I, I went to, uh, well, too much information, but I was washing my hands, um, CDC guidelines, and I had two wedding rings on. I realized somehow in the morning, I already had one on, and I put another one on, and I'm going to blame it on allergy medicine, uh, but it's also because I'm just so committed to my wife, Liz, and to the bride of Christ. I don't know. But anyways, we're not proponents of polygamy here. It got weird. Anyways, just a weird day. Is that all right? And we're going to have a great day uh, in God's house. You guys can grab your seats. Great to see you. Can you believe we are 101 days in to a new year? I mean, at a certain point, you can't call it a new year. It's been 100 plus days. But I do believe this. I believe it is a new season for our church. And I'm believing and declaring it is a new season, a change of season for your life as well. As we are coming out of the chaos of COVID, I believe it's beginning to diminish in Jesus' name. But the fallout that everybody has been facing is very real. Uh, If you haven't been impacted by it personally, you're probably sitting by someone who has. Um, Definitely lots of detriment and struggle in this last year and season. I think people have been so fear-focused. People have been in survival mode. There's been real uh, struggles of the soul, meltdowns in marriages, financial difficulties. And so I actually had planned that coming out of Easter, uh, doing a series on the soul, um, about getting your heart right, getting healthy in your inside world, uh, about your mental health, about your marriage health. And we will kick that off in just a couple of weeks. But before, I just felt like I wanted to preach because I know, like, there's an old pastor's joke. Uh, Easter, we celebrate the empty tomb. Uh, week after Easter, we celebrate the empty church. Obviously not a reality here today. Okay, we're beating the odds. Pastor jokes are normally really bad. I would just say I feel like my jokes are normally better. But I wanted to just talk about the power and the priority of the gathering of God's people, the local church, uh, what we get to do together, and just why it is such a high priority and why I believe God has a part for you to play. Um, No matter what age, stage of life, there's something significant for you to belong to. Um, And God has gifted you in a unique way that will only flourish in the fulfillment in community, in the connectivity of God's people working together for God's purpose on the earth. And if you feel stuck, like many of us did coming out of 2020, I believe the way to experience more freedom and fulfillment in your life, more fruitfulness in your life, 
is by following Jesus's example and declaration to be fully committed to what he's doing and building here on the earth, which is not Hillsong Church. It's just the church, the kingdom of God, the people of God living for the mission of God. So we're going to have a short little series for a couple weeks. And we're talking about this is church. What is church? Why is it so important? Why do we belong? What can we do? And how can God use us for the fulfillment of his plan? Our destinies are connected together. Whether you like it or not, you're stuck with me. Like other believers, we're in this thing together, building something truly according to the word of God that lasts forever. And it's so significant. And building church, it, is a, it is, has a cost, has a price, has some struggle, has some humility that's needed but together we can fulfill destiny. Do you believe that? This is church. Um, let's pray and we'll jump into the word of God. Come on, Plaza Online. Let's pray together as one family of faith. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you are doing. We celebrate every salvation of last weekend and even the ones that have already occurred this morning. And we're believing that you have more in store for us, more of your presence, more of your power, and more of your purpose. Lord, I thank you that we get to do this thing together. Lord, I do pray and believe anyone who has been in a struggle season, you're about ready to set them free and in a new direction. And Lord, help us all together play our part as the faithful family of believers so that you can bring more breakthrough, more revival in Kansas City and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. This is church. Church. Gotta love church. I want to take a couple weeks just to call us back to the beauty of what we get to build together. A little bit of focus on our mission, on our calling, on our culture. Because uh, when we just attend church, thankful for every tender, thankful for everyone viewing right now. But if we just attend, we miss the life momentum that comes from finding your own ministry and mission in connectivity to the house of God. Do not settle for sitting and staring because you were called to be a servant leader. You're called into serving, influencing, and leader. And that's where the satisfaction of the soul happens in the house of God. Again, I said empty tomb on Easter, empty church the week after because people think it is a box to check or something to go to. Uh, but I believe we're, we're mature enough to know in our faith, even if you're brand new in the faith, you understand a church is not a building. It, it is a group of people. It's believers gathering together for a greater purpose. And I realize I am speaking to the people that are here. I'm preaching to the choir. And anytime I do like a local church message, I have to fight this feeling uh, that I'm doing a telemercial. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to sell you on something that you might not want, uh, like Flex Seal. Okay, you got a hole in your boat? No, you don't. You can flex seal it. Sham wow. It's a towel. But for separate shipping and handling, you get a whole other one. But this is church. What is church? Church, it's not a building. For us, buildings. It's a body of believers. It's a family. Uh, though we have sound business practices, this is not business. This is the bride of Christ. This is something Jesus is coming back for. Uh, it's not a corporation. It's a congregation of those that said, I'm living Jesus 
first. Uh, we have financial practices, but this is not a financial institution. It's a family. Hey, we fully engage and lean into leadership, but church is not led by CEOs. It's led by shepherds and servant leaders. And we are not built by corporate strategy. This is built by Christ himself. He's the one that builds us up and by his Holy Spirit brings us in unity together. And again, like I said, we get to build something that is lasting forever. People are the only thing that transition into eternity. And that's what we get the huge privilege of building. Church, it's a place where the lost come home, the found find family. It's where believers reach their potential. It's us working together for the redemption of Kansas City and beyond. It's everybody in, not for our own name's sake, not for Hillsong's name's sake, no, for the glory of God. This is church. I want to speak for a few moments, subtitle, that there's work still to do. There's work still to do. How many like to do some work? Come on, how many hard workers do we have? That's only the 9 a.m. crowd. The 11, they like to work at some brunch. Okay, I get it. I'm going to have to work extra hard today. There's work still to do. You know, in COVID at Stay at Home last year, uh, we were forced to homeschool our children, as many of us were. Now, you might not know, Liz and I decided to carry it on for another year because uh, we, the school we were attending, there was uncertainty whether we were going to be gathering, what it was going to look like. And so we just said, okay, we're, we're going to make the commitment. Uh, we're going to make homeschooling happen for, for another year. And as a kid that was homeschooled for like a year and a half, I feel like I have the license that I can make fun of homeschool a little bit. You know, uh, although no, I can't because my kids um, are homeschoolers. I can't make fun of your own kids. But what other school can you go to that you can get your studies done after you work the breakfast shift at Chick-fil-A, right? Come on, homeschool kids, my pleasure. We know that Chick-fil-A is filled with homeschool kids. And like, did it really give you pleasure to give me a packet of ketchup? Come on, Jedediah, you are way too easy to please. But no homeschool jokes. Um, we, we've, we thought it was a blessing for our family and the uncertainty of last year, and it's been great. One thing I've loved about it is it's given me like some access to um, what they're good at, what they're naturally good at. More than a report card, I get to be there face-to-face when they're reading. Uh, I remember even last year we had a, a project um, for, for Easter, an art project. Like I, I could see what my kids are good at. My daughter is incredible at art. Like, she's great at art, she's great at music, she's great at creative writing. My son, uh, he is not the creative type, he's great at math. And I'm just going to say he got that not from his mom, he got that from his dad. He's great, he's great at math. Now, Graham and art don't go to well together. Uh, Graham, uh, we had our project last year, and it was an Easter project a year ago, and it was supposed to draw, it was like this big poster a picture of Jesus and a lamb. How many know we're way too saved at the Turner household? These are our art projects. And, and the instructions, I was reading the instructions, it said, hey, uh, use multiple colors and, and fill in the best you can. Try to stay within the lines. So Graham takes two crayons and he puts one line on Jesus, different color crayon, one line in the lamb, and he says, done. See, my son is really into minimalist art. 
No, what he was doing was the bare minimum. I said, Graham, no, no, no. We got we to gotta, we gotta color it in through the fullest that we can. Hey, buddy, there's, there's still work to do here. There's still some things we've got to accomplish. And I wonder how many of us are bare minimum believers. Now, I'm not here to yell at you, and I'm not here to, to, to get on your case, but if you will allow me for a moment to challenge you, that, that our relationship with Jesus is personal, but there's a part to play, there's a participation that allows us to go public with this faith. And if we're just checking off the boxes or just doing the bare minimum, we're missing the beauty and the color and the illustration of the love of God that's called to leak outside the lines even, so the world can see what God means to us. It can see the difference that he's made in our world. Jesus says in the message paraphrase in Matthew chapter 5, let me tell you why you are here. I mean, I love it when Jesus gets right to the point. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings the God flavors of this earth. Brings out the God flavors of this earth. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. Notice this is plural. We're going public with this. As public as possible, as public as a city on a hill. In other words, don't just do the bare minimum. Let's make it as beautiful as possible. Don't just check the box of, I attend from time to time. Occasionally, I serve when I feel like it. Uh, I might give in the right moment if I like what we're giving to on the right day. I might invite someone if they are around me all the time and it's convenient to bring them along with me. Hey, I'm grateful for any form of participation. But let me tell you, Hillsong Church, there's still more work to do. There's still work to be done. Church is to be a beautiful expression of God's great love for us. And it is so good. If it's so good to us, it should be contagious to the world around us. Instead of the minimum, let's fill the page of our life full of color. Let's fill it full of diversity. Where every type of person, every stage, every age, every background can find the beauty of Jesus by seeing our love first and foremost for each other. Because that's what the Word of God tells us. Where we start is in our love for each other. It shows the validity of God's goodness and divinity of Jesus is by how we love and serve each other. And then we love and serve each other so well that we cannot just keep this thing to ourselves. We're coloring the full page in the beauty of what God's called us to do. Even if we get outside the lines a little bit, even if we allow the messiness of grace to be seen to this world around us, it's something that is invigorating and inviting to the world that so desperately needs the seasoning of God and the colors of God to be seen in this world. There's still work to do. But we like to make hard work look fun. Our team at Hillsong is awesome. If you've ever been grateful for those that serve in Hillsong Kids, for those that lead us in worship, for those in production, can we just thank the team? What an incredible job last weekend and every weekend. Because we consider it an honor to be building together the only thing Jesus said that he would build. He will build his church. And it's through the church that the body the body of believers are redeemed and we find our reason of our redemption. We're converted to a cause that's bigger than our own dreams and desires. It's this thing called destiny. We are saved so that we can serve in a bigger mission. This is church and this is what we get to do that's bigger than us.
I love this passage from Acts chapter 17. Uh, if you're brand new to faith or new to church, there's the four gospel narratives of the life of Jesus. And then there's just one little chapter where Jesus is still on the earth before he, he goes back up to heaven one day to return. We're going to look at that chapter in just a moment. It's in Acts chapter 1. And the rest of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. Those were that were disciples and the Apostle Paul. What they did on mission, living out bigger than just themselves, their own little group, that they brought the gospel to the known world around them. And in one passage in Acts 17, some of the religious leaders are talking about these disciples that became apostles. And they said, these are the men who have turned the world upside down and have now come here. I love that, that the thought about really faithful, fully devoted Jesus followers is that they weren't existing in the world. They weren't just around the world. They were transforming the world. That the early church leaders were literally turning the world upside down. How many of y'all think we have a world that's wrong side up right now? How many think when it comes to injustice, when it comes to pride and pain and strife and heartache and addictions, that there's some people around us and this whole world that's upside down? And yet it's the church, those living for him together on mission that can turn it right side up. Earlier in the book of Acts, it's in chapter four, it talks about Peter and John. And the religious leaders are like, Noting the fact that there's something special about them, although they're themselves, naturally speaking, aren't all that impressive. In fact, it says that they could see that they were ordinary men, but they were men who had been with Jesus. The word ordinary there in the Greek language is idiotase. It's where we get the word idiot from. In other words, we could see these guys are kind of idiots. But there's something special about them because we can tell that they've been with Jesus. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm reading through the Bible, I can look at Paul and I can look at Peter and I can look at Old Testament heroes like Esther. I can look at Abraham and we can put them up on a pedestal. And definitely we should honor their faith and their commitment, their sacrifice and their fortitude. But the truth is, they're ordinary people like you and me. We might be 2,000 years removed from the story, but we're in the same narrative right now. A people called on purpose to turn the world right side up. So if you're an idiotase, you're in great company today because you're actually a world changer, because it never had anything to do with your natural gifting or ability anyway. It had nothing to do with your spiritual pedigree. It had nothing to do with your family of heritage. It has everything to do with your family of faith and this Holy Spirit that you've now received for living a life bigger than the one that you now live. 30 years, they turn an empire upside down. What can we learn from them? How can we follow their example? How do they act? How did they connect? What did they value? That's what we'll look at the next few weeks as we look through the book of Acts and we get back to the basics of what is church. This is church. My prayer last night, I was, I was putting the finishing touches on this message is God waking us up, our ordinary everyday lives, waking up, wake us up. We might feel like average or even less than, but wake us up to what we could achieve by your grace and for your glory if we did it with all of our heart and we did this thing together. As I said earlier, Acts 1, Jesus is still on the earth, about ready to go on into heaven. 
And uh, Luke, the good Dr. Luke, is writing down the story. He says in verse 1, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to one of the apostles, to the apostles he had chosen. Just so you know, apostle, that means sent out one. But the word used for church uh, throughout the New Testament is ecclesia, which means called out once. So the leaders were sent out, and then they called people out. Out of darkness, into light. Out of brokenness, into wholeness. Out of emptiness, into fullness. Out of selfishness, into sacrifice. Out of self-focus, into kingdom calling. That's what church is. It's people that are living called out. They're living out their calling together. It says, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over the period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, how many know Jesus loves a good meal? He gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait, wait for the gift my father promised because you've heard me speak about it before. For John, John the Baptist, baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you, going to, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set in his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria. And we're going global with this thing. We're taking over the whole world. Because this is too good to keep to yourself. To the ends of the earth. After he said this, Jesus was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white like they worked at the Cheesecake Factory stood beside them, said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Just as he left, one day he's coming back. Now we are 2,000 years in preparation, but God is not delayed. The Bible says God is not slow in keeping his promises as we understand time, but he's patient He's patient with humanity because his heart is burdened that every lost person would come home. He's patient waiting while we're working for the salvation of our city, for, for the salvation of our families and our friends, our co-workers, and those we go to school with. He is patient on purpose. He is not delayed, but he has set us here together for a destiny that's bigger than us, that lasts longer than our life. It's an eternal thing, but he is coming back again. And so in the meantime, there's work still to do. And this is church. We're about working according to the will of our God. Verse four, he says, don't leave. Don't leave this place. Stay here until you get what I want to give you. I need you to stay Stay in this place. Don't leave Jerusalem, but my gift that my father has promised, which you've heard me speak about, the Holy Spirit is coming to empower you to live a life bigger than you. There's still work to do. First thing he says is, hey, start 
right here. Stay here and start here. He says, once you receive the Holy Spirit, what are we going to do? We're going to reach Jerusalem. And then we're going to go to Judea, Samaria. And then we're going to go to the whole entire world, but we're going to start right where we're at. You will not get anything done until you actually start. Part of starting, according to Jesus, is staying. Is waiting for him to do the work in you so he can do the greatest work through you. I think one of the ways he does that is we plant ourselves in God's house. I realize I'm preaching to the choir today. You're the people that came back after Easter. But, but I would say plant yourself isn't just planting yourself in a seat. It's surrendering to the service of God and the movement of Jesus through the local church. You want to plant yourself on purpose so that you can find your purpose. Because Jesus said we would do greater works in his name. Like greater works than Jesus. Does that mean that you are going to go lay hands on every blind person and they're going to see? I don't believe it means that, although I do believe that God still works with miracle power. And you cannot convince me otherwise, both with argument or scripture, that God still isn't on the move and, and, and can still heal the lame, set the captives free. But he just does it through the church. The reason it says greater works is the language that's used there is means a greater as in bigger work. It doesn't mean you're going to go walk on water, but there's places you're going to walk into that need the water of life. Jesus is living on the inside of you. And when he says greater works, what he's talking about is that now there's over a billion people that say Jesus is Lord. And we're now to live all on mission. But what would our world, global world, look like if everyone who said that they believed in Jesus actually lived in service of people in the name of Jesus? To me, it would look like a world that was turned upside down. To me, it would look like we could change the course of human history if we actually believed and activated what Jesus has called us to. We've got to start here. I think we've got to go ahead and start now. You ever had a big project that you like, were just putting off, waiting to get it done? You ever like saw one little dirty spot and like wiped it? Only to realize, now you realize everything there was dirty. Come on, if you got kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You want to like get, like uh, this last fall, Liz was like, honey, get the leaves done. Get the leaves done. I was like, honey, I'm just into nature and mulch. I'm into the ecology. What I was doing was like, okay, I need more. I need to blow the wind to blow a little more. Uh, Maybe it'll blow some of the leaves that are still on down. Maybe we'll just blow it on over to the neighbor's yard. <laughs> and God did a miracle, a fresh wind from heaven. Um, and I said, finally, I waited, and I just waited too long. Now it was just like piles of leaves. And I was out there, and, you know, my, my kids aren't quite at the age where, you know, they're doing more harm than help with the rake. And so I'm just out there, I'm raking, I'm raking, I'm bagging, I'm bagging. And I'm like, I'm Bilbo Baggins. Like, I got bags <laughs> piled up. And I'm barely making a dent because I just waited too long to get to work. Finally, I saw that one of my neighbors had hired like a crew to come get theirs and they had like a vacuum. I was like, yes, you need power of the Holy Spirit to do what you cannot do. And I begged and pleaded with them to come and help me out because I just waited too long. Jesus says that the harvest is kind of like that, that it's so great that there's so much out there, but the workers or the laborers are few. And then it says, pray to the Lord who over the harvest to send more workers. 
But then Jesus, amazing thing, he says, hey, why don't we pray for more people to participate? But then in the very next verse, it's chapter 10 begins, and then it says, and then Jesus sent them out to go do the work. In other words, Jesus is like, hey, pray, but actually you're going to go ahead and answer the prayer yourself. If you've been praying for the world to change, but haven't started working to change your world, you're missing the whole moment of what God has called you to do in the ministry that he's prepared for you. Because prayer is powerful. We believe it moves God's heart and it moves God's hand. But participation is just as powerful because God has put his spirit on the inside of you and there's greater works that we can do together. You will receive power from the Holy Spirit when it comes upon you to be what? To be witnesses. I love the Holy Spirit. I, 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 I pray that you would have an intimacy with God's presence. It's not something weird or wacky. It's something to be a witness with. It empowers you. It speaks to you. It changes you. It challenges you when you're off. It realigns you with the grace and the goodness of God. It helps you live a life that's bigger than yourself. So we don't worship just the feelings of the Holy Spirit. And we're not just chasing after encounters with the Holy Spirit. We're pursuing the Spirit as we're filled with the Spirit to live out what we're called to do, a mission and a vision bigger than just ourselves to be witnesses of Jesus. This is a worldwide mission, and Jesus says, hey, start right here. There's power in right here and right now. I think for you as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, the mission starts at home. Like, let's not miss the best mission. One thing we'll be working on the next few weeks is how to have strong, healthy, vibrant, God-honoring marriages how we can overcome some of our imperfections and some of our infighting and, and, and really grow in intimacy with our spouse. How can we raise up kids that are healthy inside and out? Because I think the mission starts at home. It says to start here, and the second thing is we got to stay together. That there's power in unity in participation. Acts chapter 2 we'll get to next week, but it says that they were in one accord. It's not talking about a Honda. It's talking about like... They were in a united place together. Now, Jesus, we know, revealed himself to uh, post-resurrection to about 500, but about 120 made it to the upper room. So a lot of people were told what to do, but only a, a fraction actually did what was asked. And those, just the few that were united in prayer, that stuck it out, that obeyed Jesus, they received, they're the first to receive the presence of the Holy Spirit. What was the first work of the Holy Spirit? Of course, they begin to speak in these unknown languages. That's great, but the first byproduct wasn't just a spiritual gift. It was a fact that the, the, the prayer meeting spilled out into the streets of Jerusalem. There, Peter, who used to be fearful and intimidated, even by a slave girl, he backed down and denied Jesus. There, all of a sudden, he stands up in front of 3,000 men and boldly proclaims that Jesus that they just killed is very much alive and he is the promised Messiah. And guess what? 3,000 men get not just saved, they get saved and baptized in that moment. It is a revival in the making when they get what? United. When they stick together, their spirit empowers something greater. Like it says in Psalms 133, it's like, how blessed and good is it when brothers, let's say sisters as well, when we dwell in unity, because there God commands a blessing, even life forevermore. 
other words, God does blessed things when we're doing our best to stick it out together, including eternal things, that forever the eternal happens in this thing called unity. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the sent ones, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for the work, the works of service, so that the body of Christ, the church, may be built up. Until we all reach what? Unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Y'all got to grow up. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. If we want the fullness of Christ, we have to reach the fullness of unity. We've got to unlock the power of participation in diversity of gifts, but united in spirit. Maybe a, a broad spectrum of abilities, but connected to the same mission and calling. Notice that it gives me a job description there as pastor of this church um, that I'm not to do all the work. Now, I know some of you think I just work on Sunday. Three services I preach, okay? So <laughs> it's a busy day. But my job is actually not to do all the work of the ministry. You're the minister. You might not have the name reverend attached to your name, but you have a son and daughter of God. And a son and daughter of God, we got family business to handle. And that's reaching the lost, that's building up each other, that's encouraging one another in the faith, that's walking in generosity, that's walking in sacrifice, that's honoring each other, that's reaching out to those who are hurting and bringing them the help that only Jesus can bring. Y'all supposed to do the work. We do this work together. My job is to equip, to challenge, to encourage. Maybe today feels a little bit more like challenge than encourage, but I think you can handle it because God wants us all to grow up and we don't just color in the lines, two lines, check the box, attend, occasionally give, occasionally serve. We say, no, I'm going to pour myself into this project because this is what Jesus poured his life out for. It's the difference when we first started been over 10 years now as I wipe the wrinkles and the tears from my eyes. 10, 10 long years. I'm just kidding. It's been awesome. But uh, Liz and I moved up here. We didn't have a team. We just the two of us. I think there's actually a picture of us. Hello. Wow. Bringing that hair back in 2021. Is this me or has my head gotten smaller? I think I was prideful back then. Now I'm humbled. Uh, Liz still cute as always, but that was us, uh, December 29, 2009, loading up the U-Haul, moving up here, and there was two of us, and what do we do? We started, we did what we knew to do, we started a Bible study in our little apartment, um, and guess what, first one, two other people came, it was like a Noah's Ark revival, two by two, next week, I think one person came back, so the other person had sin in their life, uh, <laughs> It was me. Just kidding. Um, and what we could do back then is that we could take care of a couple of people. It's like the Minute Clinic. You know, you ever go to a Minute Clinic? It's really convenient. And you, like there's a nurse practitioner there, maybe a doctor. And they can see two to three patients at a time. You can get a vaccine. You can get a, a prescription. Uh, they can check out the weird rash on your face or something. There's just not a lot they do, though. It's just one-on-one. -on -one. 
And that's what our church was back then. It was just two people sent, sent out, called out to, to gather a few. And that's all we could help in that moment. But since then, in the last decade, by the grace of God and because of an amazing team, we, we've built a hospital. Now, because we have more than one doctor or nurse, we've got a lot of faithful believers that are growing in their calling, growing in obedience, growing in sacrifice and service, discovering their gifts and utilizing them not for themselves, but for the glory of God. We can take care of so many more. And yet, there's a healer on the inside of you. There's a helper on the inside of you. It's the Holy Spirit. He's called the helper. And he's gifted you in your natural gifts and in your spiritual gifts. And the more you allow those to lay dormant, not united to the bigger body, the more we lose out. Because the truth is, like, we're still doing it without you. But we'd be a whole lot better with you. And listen to this. I promise you this. Your life would be so much better because you were never meant to be a vessel that just received. You were always meant to be more like your Savior, that whatever you receive, you freely give, that you pour it out to the world around you. And as we continue to build a hospital big enough for the whole city, we need every single believer growing in their calling and growing in their faith. Verse 10, I'm out of time. They were looking intently up into the sky as Jesus was gone. And then the two angels, messengers of God, show up and it's like, hey, why do you stand here looking into the sky? You need to set your focus right. I think as you become a brand new believer, which so many people do in our church, this should be your focus. Wow. God, you're so good. I had this burden and this brokenness and you reached me and you loved me just as I am and you've graced me. God, you're awesome. Thank you, Jesus. You're amazing, incredible. I'm looking to you. And over time, as you mature, your focus gets a little less on the one who reached you and a little bit more on the ones you're called to reach. You've got to learn to set your focus. Now, we always have our gaze into eternity, this high calling of the greatest family reunion of all time that's going to happen one day, and we're going to be there. It's going to be awesome. But now God's heart once he's reached yours, begins to change yours. So you begin to reach what is on his heart again, which is the world around you. You got to learn to set your focus according to the heart and the will of your heavenly father. Not staring at the sun, but living and working and stepping into the work of the sun. S-O-N. Don't be so heavenly focused. I love the Holy Spirit. I love worship nights. I love power of prayer. I, I love God encounters, but I don't love those just for myself. I love being filled up so I can be poured out. So let's not be so heavenly minded that we miss our earthly mission. Oh, and don't be so earthly minded or carnal that you miss your high calling. We find the middle there is Jesus. The message is Jesus. The mission is Jesus. Jesus prayed in John 17. Prayed, he's praying to God and he said, Hey, Father, in the same way you gave me a mission in this world, I give them a mission in this world. You have a mission. You have a ministry. You have a message. You have miracles in motion in your future. Let's get focused on the people that are around us. 
You know, they always grade the presidency, like the 100-day grade. Uh, first 100 days in office. And I'm not making a political comment here. I've split the church 17 times this year already with my takes on COVID and culture. Politics was supposed to be funny, and it was not, because you're all way too sensitive. <laughs> Where are we at as a church? We're pretty strong. Look around you. God's been really good to us. You guys have been really faithful. Pastor's heart to church family, I'm, I'm very, very grateful. In a year of so much disruption, you saw and seized the opportunity to be a grace distribution. We served more people in a year than probably almost all of our years combined. Because what we saw as a problem, we turned it into an opportunity for God to be a problem solver. Great ministry this last year. I'm so blown away what God's done through the House of Hope and there's so much more for us. But we are rebuilding. It's a rebuilding season. I see a resilient church. I see a church that's ready for what's next. Yesterday in the Bible reading plan, day 100, Joshua 1 and 2. Moses, the servant, is dead. Now then, get up and go, Joshua. Get up and go into the land I'm about ready to give you. Everywhere you put your feet, I'm going to give you that place. In other words, I don't need you to sit and watch. I don't want you to stand around and talk. I need you to start to step. And if you let your Holy Spirit, let my Holy Spirit lead you into new places. Everywhere you put your foot is place I want to give you for generations. Some of the battles are in front of us, but the same God that brought us this far out of Egypt will see us through to this promised place. Let me tell you, church, it's a change in season for your life and for us. We're not just trying to stabilize or strengthen that which remains. It's time to step into the new and the unknown. There are people that you're called to prophesy the God future over their life. There are people in your world that need a word from God that's on the inside. There's people that we're going to serve and see them surrender to Jesus. There's lives to change and you're the perfect candidate to do it. So my call to action, as you can tell, I'm quite passionate about. We're leaving Sunday viewership behind and we're joining servant leadership for tomorrow. There's a place for you. you haven't been to next, get to next. If you want to be used by God, put it on a connect card. Tell us in the lobby. Don't pray for someone to pick you. Say, here I am, Lord. You can use me. I want to challenge you. Don't make it about you because the gift on the inside of you had nothing to do with you. It was a gift from God. And the same way, we give it back to God and we don't take the glory for ourselves. We give all the glory to our God as we build something bigger than ourselves. But I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. You're an influencer. And by the way, if you're an idiotase, join the club. But you're the exact kind of person that God wants to use to turn the world upside down. Don't have time, but 1 Corinthians 1, 1 Corinthians 1, brothers and sisters, church family, think of what you were when you were called. Not many were wise by human standards, not many influential, not many of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. God does not look on the outside. Remember the story of David. God's looking at your heart. And your hearts might have been through some battles and might have lost might have been hurting, might have been 
barely making it through this previous season. It's a change of season, and there's work still to do. Final thought, stay the course. How about we get one year all together? One year. Doesn't mean you have to go to church every single week, serve every single Sunday. No, no. One year of what you can do. One year of sacrifice. One year of surrender. One year of servant leadership. One year of praying. One year of investing. Stay the course. Jesus said, you've heard the saying, four more months between planting and harvest. But I said, you wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe with harvest. Ephesians 4, 16, and we're out of here. From him, the whole body is joined. That's church. Joined and held together by every supporting ligament. And it grows and builds itself up in love. As each part does its work. Would you stand your feet on the plaza here at the north? I want to pray for you. I'm going to take just a moment of worship. I apologize. I preached too dang long because I was so pumped about this. But whatever you got to get to next can wait for just a moment. Let's stay in the room and let's worship. In just a moment, we're going to give you the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. This is the greatest thing that we work for as a church. If you're here and you're on the fence about Jesus, I want to encourage you to step over. Make this commitment because he's fully committed to saving you and changing your life. Can I pray for you? Father God, I thank you that you saved us, secured us, called us. You took us out of darkness and brought us into light. And now us as people living in the light, we refuse to let the light just be about us or shine on us. We want to be the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Help us bring out the God flavors in Kansas City. Help us bring out the God colors in our neighborhood. And in through this local church, would you empower us in unity, in sacrifice, in surrender to bring a revival to the heartland of America that I believe has been beating on your heart from before time began. God, show us where we can get involved. Show us people that we're called to reach. Lord, take us on a path of humility that it's not about us, but it's all about you. All for your glory, all for your kingdom, all for lives to be forever changed. And like the prophet declared, we declare together as one big church family, here I am, God. Here we are, ordinary us. You can use for your extraordinary work. You can sin us. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you have saved us and then you have called us to be the solution in the world around us.